0: It's been a year. It's been an interesting year. Can we just agree that 2020 on many levels has been a bit of a dumpster fire? I mean, just if you look at the whole thing, you can go back. I don't know if you, I mean, you can, you remember this year started a little bit chaotically because there were wildfires in Australia. So Lindsay's home, Australia, I mean, not his actual home, but homeland was basically on fire. 43 million acres were burning Uh, from the the beginning of that season. So you go back to that. uh, We started hearing about this thing called coronavirus that started uh, taking shape a little bit. We didn't know a lot about it uh d- during that turn early on then there was an impeachment trial of our president uh, during that time then you have this worldwide superstar Kobe Bryant his 13 year old daughter tragically die with uh, five along with five other people so there's you, you the, the year starts off really shaky and then all of a sudden March happens and the this virus is taking over and we're now having to sit in a full-scale uh, uh quarantine trying to stay healthy right and during that time coronavirus comes there's a lockdown stock market has its worst day since 1987 there's mass layoffs quarantine, uh, increasing mental health issues. There's lost income, lost wages, lost connection with other people. And then in the middle of that, you've got all this political anger and strife, and you've got racial anger and strife, and there's rioting and looting city occupations. There's anger towards law enforcement, and there's divisions that are taking place. And what's worse is that during that time, murder hornets somehow show up, and start creating nests. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about murder hornets. Stay away from them. If you see a hornet, just assume it's a murdering one. <laughs> That's just my general, like, if it's a, if I see a hornet, it's a murder hornet, and I'm going to kill it before it kills me. That's just my general attitude, right? And I think kind of our, all of our, right? So actually, in addition to that, I don't know if you even heard this, there have been... Plagues of locusts, unlike, any, unlike the earth has seen in a long time. 19, it's, not, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of not 19. I was looking this up. 19 million East Africans experienced a food short, shortage because of crops that were devastated by locusts. North Carolina, actually, our neighboring state, had an, an increase of locusts they hadn't seen in like 50 years. So world record for hurricanes... That brought devastation to the Gulf Coast. We have uh, family here. Uh, some of our church family have family that live down in the Lake Charles area that devastated by hurricanes that came through uh, all over uh, the, the Gulf Coast and the Atlantic Coast. Wildfires have consumed now 4 million acres in California. Thousands have had to evacuate. Family that have had to deal with that. And even as I state, any and all of those things inevitably... There are political and social leanings that you feel towards some of those things that has only heightened the fact that there is a lack of unity and a division that is more heightened than at any time that I can think of in the last 44 years. And even if you had a banner, even if like you're you're one of those that secretly loved the quarantine because you know you're out there, all right? You secretly loved the quarantine and you got more family time and it was great and you had to change your pace of life and it was good. And maybe your business actually soared through 2020. Even if all of that took place, every one of us can look at this time and we know that 2020 has shown us one thing this is not it. This is not it. Whatever it is that we're looking for, this is not it at all. We want a home. We want a place of rest. We want a place of safety. We want a place of hope and joy that's not tainted, that is clean from division and strife. And this is not it. It's not happening. And while much of the rest, listen, much of the rest of the world has had to face a lot of the things that we have had to face, America has been awoken a little bit in ways that we never have at all. And so you... We can look at this year as this unfettered chaos that has been unleashed or we can see this year as an act of kindness and mercy from a God who wants us to know one thing. We are exiles and we are not home yet. And there is some anchoring that God wants to do in our hearts, and in our souls today to make sure that we are ready for anything that he has for us in the days ahead. But church, we're exiles. The meaning of 2020 is that you're in exile and you're not home yet. All right, take a look at the screen.
1: There's something about being home where everything's just right. We're surrounded by people we love and trust. There's a feeling of stability and safety. And while some people get to experience this kind of home, many do not. Others might even be forced to leave their home and go live in a foreign land. We call this going into exile. Yeah, in exile, everything is disoriented. You're in the unknown. And in the story of the Bible, this is where the ancient Israelites found themselves. Conquered by Babylon, living in exile far from their homeland. And so they had to ask themselves, how did we end up here? And is there any hope of going home? And the whole story of the Bible is designed to address those very questions. The whole story? Really? Yeah, go back to the first pages of the Bible. Where does humanity live? Okay, they live in this really sweet garden, their home. And they're there on one condition, that they trust and follow God's one command, and they don't. And so the consequence is banishment from the garden. Ah, they're sent into exile. Exactly. And so this story has been designed to set you up for Israel's story, how they were given the gift of the promised land and were able to stay there on one condition, that they be faithful to the terms of their covenant relationship with God. Uh, They didn't, and they were sent into exile. And if you still don't see the parallel between exile from the garden and exile from Israel, think about this. In Genesis, humanity's exile led up to the story about the building of what city? Oh yeah, Babylon. The same place the Israelites are sent. But that's not the end of either story. In the first Babylon, God called Abraham to leave and travel to the Promised Land. And that story was designed to give hope to the Israelites currently living in the later Babylon. Now eventually, they do get to leave and travel back to their promised homeland. And when they did? it wasn't home sweet home. Oppressive empires were still ruling over them, and the people kept acting in the same corrupt ways as their ancestors. And so the biblical prophets said that exile wasn't actually over. How could they think they were still in exile when they're at home? Yeah, this is really important. In the Hebrew scriptures, Israel's Babylonian exile became an image of something more universal. It's that feeling of alienation and longing for something more, no matter where you live. Yeah, I I can relate to this. I have a great home, but it's situated in a world scarred with pain and broken relationships, death, tragedy, done by others, but also done by me. And so in the Bible, exile is the human condition. We all keep repeating this pattern of human corruption leading to a Babylon that we can't escape. And it doesn't matter where you live, we are all longing for a better home.
0: It doesn't matter where you live, we're all looking for a better home. This is the story, this is the reality, this is the life for those that follow Jesus, is to understand something. I think the Lord wants us in this moment, in this hour, even as a church, to begin to anchor ourselves in, a fact, in the fact that we are exiles and we're not home. And so that's going to have some implications, right? And so our text this morning, as we're going to read in Hebrews, is going to tell us that we're strangers We're aliens and we're on a journey, but we're not home. And the unrest that we feel around us is meant to remind us that there is something better. There is something better that we're longing for that God wants to give to us and grant to us. And so Hebrews 11, what we see is this incredible list of incredible men and women of faith who have these journeys, and they're on these unique and different journeys, and they're all looking for something greater. They're looking to a promise. They're looking to a promised land. They're looking to a promised home. They're looking to a promised resting place. One of those people that's searching is a man named Abraham, who God makes a covenant with. And we'll open it up here in Hebrews chapter 11. We want to to see and hear his story to understand and know our story better. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. Now, Abraham's looking for a home that is perfected by God. And this is this central theme, as we saw from this video, this central theme of the Bible. Humanity is looking for a home where we find the fullness of rest and hope. And ultimately, what we're looking for is God's presence. Let's move on in verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith. But look at this. Even though they got to the land, look at this. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that, and here it is, they were strangers and exiles on the earth meaning they did not receive the promise in full, and they found themselves, even though they were in the land and had moved there, strangers and exiles. Now verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. And if they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, uh, they would have had an opportunity to return, meaning they knew that it wasn't a place, And we're looking to even go back to the place that they thought that might be familiar or comfortable to them. But verse 16, here it is. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city Church, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. We're on a journey. There is another country and another land and another place that God has designed for all who have faith in him. There is a place that we are headed to. And part of our faith journey, part of our faith journey and is to start to see That while we're meant to do good here, that we are meant to spread goodness wherever we go, our faith, our strength, our confidence will only grow when we acknowledge this is not it. This isn't the final resting place. Right? There is something more to be had. And our faith in Christ, will grow when we say, Lord, you've got more for us. And it's time for us to step into and understand this is not it. We're headed towards more. And where are you leading us? That's the question. Now, um, Christmas is on the way. It's coming up. And I say that with trepidation because some of you feel like it's a sin to talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving. And some of you have had the tree up since like right after Halloween, okay? But Christmas is coming. We happen to be one of those families that we're all in, especially in 2020. It's like, whatever, the rules are out, all right? So it's like November 3rd feels like Christmas. Let's do this, all right? So we put our tree up. Okay, this weekend, uh, our kids and I, we, we watched Home Alone, so we're guilty. And if, that's, if we have an issue, we'll just, let's just pray after church, okay? But we're all in. We're all in on the, on the Christmas thing. And one of the beautiful things, again, the point of Christmas is to be able to look into a coming king, a Messiah, the son of God who would come in the flesh. And there's this prophecy about this coming king who's gonna come as an infant and live in the flesh and be our standard and be our guide and be our substitute. He's gonna do all of these things. And it's, Isaiah prophesies about him and here's what he says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It says, for unto us a child is born. I guarantee you, you've sung this song. To us a son is given, and hear this, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here, verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here's the proclamation. There is another government and another king and it is good. And this is what we are subject to. This is where we're headed, that there must be a reorientation. I want you to hear this. There's got to be a reorientation of our minds to see ourselves as citizens of another place that we are living and we are headed towards right now as sojourners, as travelers. We're headed there. We are exiles on the way. You might be living in the home of your dreams, and I hope you are. But hear this. It's a tent. There is a different place we're headed to. And the quicker we orient our hearts to it, the quicker we live in peace growing faith and confidence in the days ahead. Because our confidence is not anchored in the tents, and it's not anchored candidly in this government. There's a greater government. There's a greater peace. There's a greater king, and he's good. And if that's the case, then there are some very real implications for our lives. I'm going to unpack this quickly, and then we're just going to set our heart on the king. Number one, we've got to begin to embrace that our confidence is not and cannot be in an earthly kingdom. Right now, it's time to begin the shift away from putting our confidence in an earthly government. Now listen, I'm incredibly and deeply thankful for our nation. I am so thankful for the freedom to worship. I'm honored to be able to be in a place where we have those that have given their lives so that we might be free. An incredible picture of the gospel. All right. We are so incredibly blessed to have that privilege, but hear this. Please listen. Listen, you can be giddy about the election results or you can abhor the election results. You can be ready for a transition of power, or you can still be hoping and praying they count votes somewhere differently okay? all those can, You can be looking for all those things, but listen, your confidence cannot be in an earthly kingdom. It can't be anchored there. We cannot look to it to save us or to put our hope in. We can pray, and we can ask God to move. In fact, I think that's what we're supposed to do as exiles. In fact, that's what we saw the people of God doing. They were in exile and they ministered to the culture. They were exiled too. But hear this. This is not our final home. You're in exile. You're an alien. This, this is the language of the scripture. And we're on our way to a different home. This is where our confidence lies because that kingdom and that government cannot be shaken. I want you to hear this again. Your president, king, leader in the government that you are a part of, this kingdom of God, it's totally unshakable. It cannot be destroyed in any way, form or fashion. I want to just remind us of one thing. The New Testament and the church that was launched after Jesus left, you want to remember the government in which it was launched in, right? Birthed under a pagan, hypersexualized, brutal Roman government. That was the earthly government in which the New Testament and the church was born out of. Guess what? The gospel outlasted it. Jesus outlasted the Roman government. Jesus will outlast any and all and every government. He will. It's time to anchor ourselves, our confidence, in a different kingdom. Where does our hope lie? It can't be in Republicans or Democrats being elected. And I'm I'm thrilled for us to get to participate in electing officials. I'm thrilled for us to pray as the scripture encourages us, to pray for those who are in authority, to pray for governors and presidents and senators and congressmen. I'm thrilled to be involved as an exile in asking God to bring his kingdom more and more and more and more in America. But my confidence is in the kingdom, not in the earthly government. So when the earthly governments sway as they do all across the earth, we're not anchored in that. We're anchored in something deeper. Our hope lies, listen, in a church that is rising up to spread the message that there is a better kingdom to show, that, to show honestly, the earthly kingdoms that there's a better way. I want you to hear this. You and I are supposed to be a part of a kingdom that shows all the earthly kingdoms there's a better way. This is who we are. We follow a different government, a different king, and we're called to lead people to a better way. And so, my heart cry is that our church and God's church does more good to America than has ever been seen before. Not to be able to say we preserve the American way, but so that we can point more to a wonderful counselor and a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace. That's what we were meant to do, it's what we're here for. He is our confidence. And so if we're not home then, then here's the question. Who are we? That's the question. Who are we? Peter answers that question. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are, this is who you are. I love this. Because this is definitive. All right. If every one of you could imagine you're sitting at the coffee shop and across the seat from you is the king. And you've got all the other, there's chaos going on around and you're looking him straight in the eyes. Here is what he'd say to you. You were to ask him, well, there's chaos all around. What's going on? Here's what Jesus would say. Look you in the eyes and say, you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. holy nation, you're a people from my own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who you are. Church, if we're gonna live as exiles, then we have to, we must embrace our new identity to begin to understand who we are in the deepest sense, from, for from it, it will move everything else. How we do marriage and how we do parenting and how we do business and how we do everything in front of us. We are a chosen race, meaning God's made a brand new race. It doesn't have anything to do with color of skin. In fact, Jesus actually says all the colors of all the skin and all the nations and all the peoples are going to come and be a part of this new race. This is who you're a part of. You get a new identity, and you are royalty. Church, kings, and queens. I'm looking at royalty in the room. I'm glad to be around you. You're royalty. Priests. Who go to God on behalf of men. Church, I'm telling you, as exiles, the most important thing for us right now is to go to God on behalf of men. We're functioning in a kingdom that's not being shaken. And while I, f- I hate all the strife that's going on in America, our role is as priests to go before the throne because we're kings and queens We're royalty, and we come as a priesthood and say, God, would you touch lives? Use me to touch lives. That's who I am. We are proclaimers, right? Proclaimers of the excellence that You're a proclaimer, and you would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more just to be a man who walks 1,000 miles to fall down at your door and say, God has a better home for you. Y'all know what I'm talking about, proclaimers. Come on. Such a good song. I don't know if they did any other songs, but that one's so good. (laughs) And I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was such an authoritative message, and it just fell apart. (laughs) we got to go a 1,000 miles, God, carrying this new kingdom with us. This is the point, to be proclaimers. We're anchored in something better. We're anchored in something bigger. We're anchored in something greater and life-giving and powerful. That's what we've gotta bring everywhere we go in the music that we create, in the businesses that we conduct, in the friendships that we walk in. We grab people and we bring them in and we say there's a better way. There is a better way. We have the key. We hold it now. It's incumbent upon us to be rooted in something bigger and greater while everyone else is freaking out. We stand up with our chest out, ready to take on the world because we're kings and queens. It's who we are. We must embrace our king's message and give it to those outside of his kingdom. This is why we're here. This is what life is literally about. This is what it is. What's the message? We just keep going in First Peter two. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you didn't have mercy, but now you've received mercy. We are all for all in this room, and all of you that are with us online. For all who have called upon the name of Jesus, guess what? Mercy. Full scale mercy. Can't be stolen, can't be taken. Anchored and guaranteed for eternity. It's who you are. You're a recipient of mercy. And there are so many other people desperate for mercy. This is true for Americans. It's true for Australians. It's true for those in the Congo. It's true for those in Haiti. It's true for those in Morocco. It's true for those in France. All that call in the name of Jesus get to be a part of a bigger, better kingdom. We anchor our hope in it. We, we orient our lives. And so we cannot lose heart in doing well. Listen, if you've had it up to here with this year, right? And you're just like feeling, ugh, right? I've had it. I've had it with the election. I've had it with all the chaos, good news. Your role as a king and as a queen and as an ambassador and a priest and a proclaimer have not been damaged one iota. Not one bit. Not one ounce. And God's saying to us, stand up. Stand under the mighty hand of God. Live for the true and eternal king. I love what uh, Peter finishes here. He says in verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct, hear this, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There are going to be people who magnify God. I want you to hear this. There are going to be people who magnify God and they praise his name because of how you walk in a year like 2020. And as we walk into the year 2021, it won't have anything to do with earthly kingdoms. It's a heavenly kingdom. And so here's my question. Are you full of hope in a future home? Or do you feel dejected trying to find your identity in another man's kingdom? That's the question before us. Are you full of hope because you're a part of a greater thing? Or are you trying to still anchor yourself to what men can build? it's time for us to rise up in our destiny and say, Lord, what would you have for me in the days ahead? Our days ahead are bright, full. God has good days for us. You guys stand with me. would happen, what would happen if we as a church allowed faith just to well up and rise up inside of us. That we stood in confidence in the living God, anchored in another day in another kingdom. Because I'm convinced that the most important thing right now is that faith is rising up in the people of God, that it's increasing and it's growing. And that wherever it does, we'll see people flourishing around us. We'll see people magnifying God. And so can we trust the Lord more? Can we trust him? Let's ask the Lord that and then we'll just finish in worship. Father, right now we're gonna ask this question. Is there any place that we're not trusting you? Is there any place right now where we struggle to trust you? Would you just ask the Lord that question? an honest question before the Lord. Is there any place I don't trust you or any place I'm struggling to trust you right now? Father, we wanna just set that before you. We wanna ask you right now, Would you give mercy and grace to trust you? Give us full faith to trust you for greater and better in the days ahead, to anchor ourselves in something beyond us, to remember that we are not home yet, but that we're on a journey of discovery and delight and joy and peace. This is who you are. This is where you're leading us. We want to fully trust you, Lord, help me trust you. May we believe what you say about us. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, proclaimers of majesty, proclaimers of goodness, proclaimers of life. I pray that you would set that on us. Would you ask him Make that declaration. We're going to finish by just saying, God, we're not slaves. We're fully yours. I'm going to make that declaration. God, would you anchor in our hearts, Lord? We're exiles headed to a beautiful home that you've prepared for us. And I ask, God, we'd live in that home now, not just in the age to come, but now. Let's worship the